Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello, and thank you for joining us once again for the Financial Fun Podcast. Today, our guest is Allison Palaschuk. Thank you for joining us, Allison. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So, Allison, tell us a little bit about what you do. What what has your interest? So, I run a local grassroots nonprofit organization here in Calgary called Made by Mama, and it is a charity that supports women with young children that are going through difficult situations, um, crisis, adversity, um, all kinds of different things that um, they need a little bit of support for. So the, the types of things that we do, um, we're basically like a food bank, but we're a food bank with a difference in that we don't give families um, a box of, you know, canned soup. We actually have a commercial kitchen and we prepare really healthy homemade meals kind of made with love. And uh, we fill mom's freezers full of um, love in a way by food. We provide families with diapers and wipes and cribs and car seats and kids clothes and anything that they kind of need to get through a crisis situation. Oh my, definitely something that is, is, is much needed. So what got you into that? Like that's, that's a huge undertaking. So the the story of our beginnings are are pretty humble actually. We um we founded Made by Mama basically on the principles of women helping women um and knowing that's one of the kind of oldest and strongest ways of communities kind of building their villages. And my own personal story is that I have four children and um my third child was born when I was 39 years old, and I had two teenagers. None of my friends had infants at the time, and it was kind of a lonely, a little bit of a lonely time period. My, my parents have passed away. My siblings live in other provinces and countries, and, you know, I have my husband, obviously, and his family um, lived here, and it was just a little bit of a, of a lonely time, and uh I had postpartum depression, which I had had before, so I was pretty familiar with it. And um, I kind of needed to get out of my funk, so to speak, and get out and meet some new people. So I had attended um, a meetup group, which is kind of a social networking, but in person, um, not through the computer so much. And uh, met a group of women, and we used to get together every week for coffee with our babies. 
And um, one of the moms in this small little social circle was from the U.S. And she fell ill. Her family had H1N1. And they didn't have any, you know, family support in the city. And she really needed some help. And so it was kind of these moms that had kind of gathered together and started meeting for coffee every week that, you know, brought a casserole, came and did the laundry, held the baby, walked the dog, that kind of thing, like gave them some really practical um, support that you would normally get from your family or your village if you, you know, were to fall ill. And um, when she kind of recovered and came back to our little coffee group, you know, she looked at everyone and said, what do other people do? Like, what do other people do that don't have the social support in this city? And let's face it, Calgary's not an easy place to necessarily make friends. So it was really, that was like the very, very beginning, sitting on the floor of the Calgary Public Library, that idea was formed. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. And yeah, it's our, our world has changed so much in the fact that so many people do not live close to family. They've, they've, they've had to move for, for businesses and jobs and opportunities and things like that. And while that's absolutely wonderful, like you said, if something happens, like somebody gets sick, like H1N1 was going around and, and knocking people right on their asses. How the heck do you get through that without, without support? Well, that's just it. You know, we, we strive really hard to offer that practical peer-to-peer support that a village would provide. And so whether it's meals, whether it's, you know, baby items, whether it's a volunteer that goes into the home and maybe holds a baby for a mom who has postpartum depression so she can shower or have a nap, like those are the things that people crave. And sadly, there's not enough of it. And part of that is because I think we get socially isolated now. You know, you can have a thousand friends, but they're maybe your Facebook friends. They aren't necessarily the friends that are going to show up on your doorstep with a pot of, you know, chili or a lasagna when you're feeling ill. And we have a lot of moms that get referred to us that are going through really horrible things like, you know, breast cancer. They ha- they're going through chemo. Um, they have a, a child who's ill or has passed away or their husband is ill or passed away. Like those really kind of life altering moments in time when you need support the most. And that's the time when we want to offer it. Oh, that's me. And I, and I love the practical part because I'm always okay. What do you need? Like, do you need someone to do your laundry? Or like you said, the baby cuddling sounds fabulous. <laughs> the good ones. So what is your family situation? You said you have four kids. Oh, man. Tiring. <laughs> yes, I have four children. So the oldest has flown the coop. He now has finished university and he has a great job with the city. So yay. Um, our daughter is 20. She is in her third year of university at the U of C. She is um, studying communications at the moment. And then we also have two little guys who are five and seven, and uh, they're little sweethearts. And <laughs> some might think we're a little bit crazy, but we we love it. We're all a super fun, happy, big family, and I wouldn't change any of it, really. Well, that, that that's fabulous, and it's a good thing you wouldn't change anything, because I don't think you have any say in the matter at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of in for the long haul, dear. <laughs> Very true. So... Yes, you have a very, very interesting and, and, and exciting situation. The fact that you, you have 
kids that are so spread apart in age and stuff like that. Basically, a lot of people look at like you've raised two families. Definitely. I think what's interesting about that is, you know, you learn more as you have more. So, you know, the mistakes I might have made with the first one or two, I'm definitely not making with the third and fourth. But the the interesting thing is I do find as I'm a little aged now is the older I am, the more patience I have. Um, and I, I feel like I'm a bit of a different parent than I was you know, 20 years ago, I'm, I'm way more relaxed. And I don't know, it's really interesting. It's, it's interesting just looking at my own inner self and how I've changed over the years. But I've been a parent for, you know, pretty much my whole adult life. So I don't know, it's, it's, it's really an interesting situation. But I, again, I love it. I love being a mom. I love having these little people in my life. I think it keeps me busy, but it keeps me you know, kind of on top of things, fresh. Well, that that that's good. That's definitely where where you want to be if you have have that choice at all. So, look, looking back, you said you've been a parent for most of your life and stuff. But thinking back to like when you were a kid, when did you start to realize that that money was something that was like an important part of life and start paying attention to it? I have a really long and interesting childhood. So um, I that's a really tough question for me because I, I would probably say um, I'm born in I was born in Vancouver. And when I was I think I was around eight or nine, my mom packed me up and we moved to Germany. And when we arrived in Germany, my mother didn't speak a word of German oh um, and put me in a German language. Oh, yeah, it's fun times. <laughs> um, Trail by fire. <laughs> yeah. My, my mom put me in a German language school. They did not speak any English. And it was it was kind of horrifying, to be perfectly frank. But um, it, it really taught me a lot about <laughs> resilience for sure. But I recall needing to go, um, set up our phone. We had to buy furniture and I had to do the talking. I had, I, I had to do the negotiating. I had to like talk about money and prices and when we bought a car. And so kind of from like that, I would say age nine, I really was immersed in um, life. You have to pay for things. And do you have enough money to? So I kind of feel like I, I learned it really deep, really young. <laughs> oh, you totally would have. Because like you said, you were you were the one that that had the better language skills from going through school. So it's like you have to negotiate. Yes. And it was it was it was like that um, for you know, the the entire time I lived in Germany, when I moved to Calgary, when I was um, 14, I lived with my sister for a while. And then I actually moved out on my own when I was 15. And I think part of that independence was that I'd already been really independent already, and knew how to budget and pay rent and do all of those things. So I went to high school while I lived on my own. It was a pretty unique situation, like I said. Oh, very unique. So you you obviously were much, much more advanced on like the money skills and things like that. So how how have you worked on passing on those skills to your to your to your kids, like the the, the older ones 
And is it any different when when you're dealing with your younger ones now when you're trying to teach them stuff? I yes and no. I think the older kids have a little bit of a different situation. I don't know. You know, my oldest. So the two oldest kids, I think, are pretty good with their money. They've they've always had jobs. They've always supplemented what they needed in their lives. So they haven't always been completely dependent on mom and dad to provide every little thing. So they've, you know, when they were in high school, they had um, after school jobs. Um, when they're in university, they both have had jobs. And, you know, we've paid for university. That's one of the things that we um, chose to do for our kids is we will pay for their tuition. Um, we want them to get an education and we want school to kind of be their job, but um, they pay their own insurance and, you know, gas and kind of eating out with their friends and things like that. And they buy their own textbooks and the rest of that is covered. They can live at home for free. So I'm hopeful, you know, when our five and seven year old get to that university age, that they'll be kind of the same plan for them as well. But I do like that it kind of instilled um, a little bit of ownership for the kids, like you know, they needed to participate and contribute to their own livelihood, and they've done that. Yeah, and and that's our that's our job as parents to get our kids to the point where they've got the skills and 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 the self reliance so that they can take care of themselves. Absolutely, I I saw a very interesting video just yesterday, and it was. I, I didn't get the whole context. I need to go back and watch it. But the gist of it was a child went to his dad, wanted to do chores for an allowance. And the dad said, no, I'm not going to give you an allowance to do the chores around the house, which our kids do chores and don't get an allowance. Um, but what he did is he said for every like leadership or business book that you read, this is obviously like a preteen teen, um, I will pay you $20. You read the book, you write me a, a, a one-page report or summary, and I will give you $20. And I think that's kind of a neat idea, like encouraging them to learn and retain, write, share what they've learned, and then I'll give you $20. I would rather they did that than unload my dishwasher, because they don't do it anyway. Well, that, that's that's what I do with, with, with my daughter. So when she started grade seven, she's got a book list that's put out by mom, and she has to read it and... And she does a bit of a book report more. It's, it's, she has to answer certain questions and then she gets a new book list every year and it, it works very, very well. And then we'll have the conversation. So what are you learning? But then my daughter also has like chores, like unloading the dishwasher and looking after the cats and stuff too. And that's not tied to her allowance because, well, there's certain things that just have to be done as part of being a member of the family and you can do stuff too. Exactly. And that's, and that's how we've been in our home as well. Like, interestingly enough, everyone is responsible for their own laundry. That's part of life. Like, my kids do laundry and you, everyone has their own basket. Everyone does their own laundry and that's part of life. Like, when my kids grow up, when my boys, like, you know, leave home and get married, like, they should be good husbands. They should know how to cook and do laundry and grocery shop and you know do there's no women's work in our house in fact the guys do most of the work <laughs> that, that that you're you're making your boys sound so much more attractive than <laughs> guys I, I don't think it's a gender thing you're being a good husband or a good wife i'm just calling being a good grown-up <laughs> 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You need, you need skills. You know, when you, when you leave the home, you need skills. You need to be able to cook and clean and take care of yourself and take care of others and be kind and all of those great things. And that's what we're trying to teach our kids. Oh, and, and, and they might grump a little bit about as, as they're going along, but I, I keep telling my daughter, she's actually pretty good now. She doesn't, she doesn't complain. She just does what's asked and stuff like that. I said, but, I know so many like college kids that are legally adults, but they have no life skills whatsoever. I said, when we send you off to college, dear, you're going to be a freaking rock star. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and I see it all the time because I've had one go through university and one in university right now. And I see it. I see the kids that have zero skills and I just shake my head and go, Oh my goodness. Well, everybody, sh- everybody shakes their head. But the thing is, the parents are doing them such an incredible disservice because when I end up talking to them, because I have so many kids that come and talk to me. How to write a check. And yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and they, they feel like they don't feel like adults because they're going, I have no idea how to adult. <laughs> adulting. Adulting is real. <laughs> yeah. Adulting is real. <laughs> I th- I think it's beca- becoming, um, a popular hashtag, adulting. <laughs> I've seen it a few times. And I mean, hello, I'm 47. Sometimes it is hard to adult still. <laughs> yes, but dear, it's so much better than the other options, if you ask me. <laughs> that is a true fact. <laughs> when you see that your younger kids interacting with your your older kids, do you see any of any questions or anything going on from the younger kids? from watching their their older siblings with money or anything like that? Not so much. I, no, not, I really don't see the little guys kind of asking questions yet. I think we're stumbling upon that age right now. Uh, Jack, who's seven, is um, pretty curious about things. Um, But he's really book smart. He'll Google something if he wants to know rather than Mm. than go and ask them something. But um, I think the difference between the two kind of, you know, groups of kids that we have is our, our little ones are very much being, you know, they're in a different world than, than we are as parents. Like we run a charity. Our lives are really focused on giving back and doing for others and without expecting anything in return. And I think that that's new. That that wasn't necessarily how we lived our lives um, 20 years ago. So it's an interesting shift for us, but I think it's better. Um, I, the hashtag I love in our house is hashtag growing up giving. And part of that that relates financially is when the kids do get money is we expect them to save half of it. And we also expect them to take half of of their half, so a quarter, and do something with it that's meaningful to them helping someone else, you know, the charity side of it. So what are the, what are some of the things, the, the charities and stuff that are resonating with your kids? So when, when they're giving, when they're giving their portion to the, to the charity of their choice, like you said, what resonates with them? What are the, the charities and, and, and the giving that's getting their attention? They are pretty much focused on um, a charity that we took over last year called the Happy Birthday Project. 
And it's really, it's close to all of us because I think we can all relate to being a child and having a birthday. And, um, what it, what the Happy Birthday Project does is it provides birthdays for children that are living in shelters or living in poverty situations and whose parents might otherwise not be able to afford to celebrate or acknowledge a child's birthday. So the charity provides um, a party once a month at two local shelters for kids that are living in the shelter, and then families that are living independently but still in that poverty situation get a birthday bag. And it's filled with everything they need to celebrate their birthday might not be an extravagant celebration, which we really encourage is not necessary. But even to set your table, you know, at dinner with party plates and party hats and some little loot bags and celebrate and acknowledge a child's birthday is really meaningful. And our kids get that. Um, so they love, like one of their favorite things is to see the list of kids with upcoming birthdays and they will take their own money and go shopping to Toys R Us and they will pick something out that they pay for that goes to another child. They love it and I love watching them do it. It's so, so meaningful to them and it makes my heart swell with pride. Oh, I could just, my heart's starting to swell, dear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. You know, we have kids from age 1 to 17 and some of their some of their wish lists are so humble. Like I would love a sweater or new shoes or a book. You know, they're they're not out there asking for remote control helicopters and you know, a lot of them are just wishing for the basics of life that a lot of us take for granted. So um I love it. Where we really push literacy Every child gets at least one or two new books. Um, they do get a toy. They get an article of clothing. Um, they get the things that they need to decorate and celebrate at home. And it's really, it's a super awesome charity. And I, and I love that we run it. And I love that my kids love it. And, and my 20 year old daughter is fabulous. She's my little shopping helper and, um, comes and helps me pick out items and put the bags together and deliver the bags. And, um, she gets to kind of see the whole process. And I think it's great even for a 20 year old to realize, um, you have so much and there's so many that don't. So. Yeah, that really, I'm, I'm sure it helps a lot with, uh, the gimmies and stuff like that. You probably don't hear that much at your house, do you? We don't. We really don't. And and today was a great example. Um, today was one of our shelter parties, and uh, my five-year-old helped me load up the car. We had balloons and a beautiful cake and gift bags and snacks and drinks for for the kids at the shelter. And and you know, not once did he ever say, "Well, I want that." Oh, look at that toy. I need that. They just don't do that. They he knew where we were going. He knew who was who was the end user, you know, of, of this gift. He knew that these were kids that are living in shelters that, that really had nothing and that we were going there to provide them with a celebration. And I think that's pretty cool for a five-year-old. Oh, that's very, very cool. Like it, whenever we can get our kids involved in the giving and the generosity, because kids are naturally very generous, but because so many of us are, are sheltered and it's not so much that it's done on purpose, but we do. We live, we live in busy lives and in our own circles and we don't 
realize, because we are cut off from it, how tough it is for some people. Absolutely. And a lot of these families, you know, the, you know, especially women and kids that are living in a shelter, they're there really due to no fault of their own in most cases. And, you know, it's not the kid's fault. No matter what, it is not the kid's fault. And, you know, it's just so important to make sure that those kids are acknowledged and celebrated. And um, it's it's something that's super important to me. And that probably ties back to having a really chaotic childhood where I had birthdays that were forgotten and or didn't seem to matter to anyone. So I think that's probably why I'm really passionate about it. Um, and that's okay. That's that's why we're passionate about things from our own experience. Well, it makes it so much easier easier to relate. And the thing is, we want to do good, but there's only so much time, effort, and money. So we need to pick the things that we're passionate about. And whatever you're doing, you're making the world a better place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm super fortunate. I, I have a husband that, uh, you know is happy for me to spend my days volunteering and and making other people's lives better or easier or happier or giving them hope, whatever it is. Um, so I'm pretty fortunate in that. I, I have been doing this now for seven years. So, um, yeah, I feel pretty lucky that this is what I get to do every day. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the many people that are very, very glad and thankful that uh, you are doing it. You are doing amazing stuff. And I just, I'm loving hearing about this some more. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> so if you can pick three things to finish up here, three things that your kids know and understand about money so that you feel like you've been a success as a parent on teaching this, what three things would you want your kids to know? I would say, number one, that they are responsible for the money that comes into their lives. If they don't have money, they can change that. If they want money, they, they that's their opportunity. The world is their oyster, so to speak, and it's really up to them to decide um, how they want that money to flow into their lives. It's up to them. They are not, you know, I've seen this a lot of times where kids, feel like they've been done to. No, 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 no. You make decisions in your life. And so that's kind of my thing. It's, it's, I keep throwing it back to my kids. Hey, that's up to you. You know, you make those decisions. So I, I like giving them ownership. They, they are in charge. Um, and two, I think it's also okay to ask for support and advice. And that might be from your parents, it might be from your grandparents, it might be from a professional. We don't all know everything. I definitely don't claim to be a financial expert by any means. Um, but I think that it's important to say we don't know it all. So maybe this is when you go to someone who knows more than you do to talk about um, buying things, investing your money, giving your money to charity, whatever it is. So that it's okay to go out and seek advice. But third and most importantly, I think, is that it is up to them to make a difference in the world and that some of the money that they earn or they are given um, should go back to making the world a better place through charity. I love those. I love those things. 
So thank you so much for taking time out of your extremely busy day to uh, join us and, and have have a conversation. Absolutely. Well, I'm really um, honored that you invited uh, me to come and, and hear a little bit about our family story and um, that we got to share what we get to do every day. Thank you once again. You have a wonderful day. Thanks, Tammy. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundation's Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fund Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfund.ca.